I'm Jesse Lubinsky. I'm Donnie Piercy. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Heil, host of the Partial Credit Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and good morning. Hopefully, you guys are having another wonderful, wonderful day today. And thank you so much for joining us for another wonderful episode of My EdTech Life. I am excited to be here with you all this morning, as always, trying to bring you the best of the best and, you know, bringing subject matter experts to speak on all sorts of topics from leadership all the way to creativity and everything in between. So I'm just really excited that you're joining us today, whether you're joining us on Twitter, Facebook, on LinkedIn, wherever in the world you, you're joining us, welcome and thank you for making us part of your day. As always, you know our mission, our vision, and our passion is to connect educators and creators one show at a time. And I'm excited about today's guests who I've been watching you know, on Twitter, longtime follower, he is an author. He is a former admin. Actually, he's he's done everything, different perspectives, you know, in the education space. He is now an entrepreneur, he, like I mentioned, author and a podcaster, blogger as well. So I'm just really excited to welcome Darren Pepper to the show. Darren, how are you this morning? Hey, Fawn. I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me on. And, you know, it's... It, it's funny when you listen to when you listen to people talk about the things that you that you do or you have done. It's like, wow, really? I've done all of that that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. Now, I, I don't think in any way, shape, or form that I've left public education. I really don't. I feel like I'm still a public educator. I just happen to do it from an entrepreneurial space. So, yeah, perfect, excellent. And I'd like to welcome John John Woodward, who is joining us here from Texas. Also, a wonderful. Ed tech leader. Thank you so much for joining us, John. And if you guys are joining us in the chat right now, let us know where you're coming from and dropping your comments and questions. And we'd love, love to help you answer those and get connected with Darren as well. But again, Darren, thank you so much for this, for, you know, accepting the invite and being here, because this is definitely a topic that I am really always looking for more insight as somebody who's been in education now, completed their 15th year, going into 16th year, various roles, you know, our, our role is to always get better each and every day, step by step, sharpening our skills. And definitely leadership is one of those components that I always look forward to in learning more of, not only for myself to continue to build up my leadership styles or leadership roles, but also to kind of see and glance, you know, and see, you know, I guess others and the climate and the culture and how we can continue to work together to move that education needle forward. So, I'm excited about today's conversation, but Darren, before we get started, for many of our audience members that are viewing today, maybe it's their first time catching the show, it's their first time that they're connecting with you, if you can give us a little brief introduction and your context in education, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I spent 26 years in public education. I started as a classroom teacher. 
And I was a coach. I coached football. I coached basketball. I even coached baseball for one seat, one season and started as, as a middle school teacher. And I like to say I served five years of middle school, loved every minute of middle school, really, truly did. And then was asked to, to come to our high school and taught six years at the high school level. I was a head basketball coach as the head tennis coach and just genuinely loved that time. I was in Northwest Arizona, a small town named Kenyon. And being in Kingman was, was a great experience, but my wife and I wanted our daughter to grow up closer to aunts and uncles and grandparents and that kind of stuff. So we moved back to my home state of Wyoming and I became an assistant principal. My first gig in assistant principalship was in charge of discipline attendance at a high school. I did that for two years, then three years as an assistant principal in charge of curriculum and instruction, same high school. And that led to Again, same high school, me being named the high school principal where I was for six, six more years. So a total of 11 years at that school. And then, I don't know, I had this crazy thought in my head, Fonz, that, you know, that I had to chase the next job. And I think a lot of leaders are like this. You feel like, you know, you're ready for the next challenge, next challenge, next challenge. And that's when a superintendency came calling. And I went to a small mountain town in Colorado and was a superintendent for four years. And stepped out of that role just over a year ago. Uh, we were talking this weekend that uh, this weekend marks one full year that I've been out, if you will, of public education and now into this entrepreneurial role. In this role, Running Road to Awesome, we, we do three things, but it's all about cultivating leaders. We do that through, you know, elevating their voices and promoting positivity. We run a pub small publishing company called Road to Awesome. And then, of course, my work with coaching and growing leaders and speaking, speak in schools, speak with, with leadership conferences, those kinds of things all over the country now. And I just love it all, but, but I'll, I'll say this, all of that wrapped into, into one thing that the thing I'll identify the most as honestly, Fonz is I'm a recovering high school principal. I will always be a recovering high school principal. I think it's the greatest job in every district. I think it's the hardest job in every district. And I was just really blessed to have the opportunity to, to be a high school principal. And, and I was my own daughter's high school principal too. That was pretty cool. <laughs> There you go. Hey, it's so funny that you mentioned Kingman in about 2012, I think it was 2013. That one year I was actually working in Arizona at a charter school in Bullhead City. So I was close by. Oh, there you go. Right uh, down the hill. Yeah. 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 Right down the hill. So yeah. So I was like, wow, Kingman. I was yeah. like, I know where that's at. All right. Awesome, yeah. Darren. Well, thank you so much for that background. As always, you know, I want to kind of just dig in a little bit deeper because this is what I love. This is one of my favorite parts of doing the show is that when I see people that are doing some amazing things in the Twitter space and in education and, you know, all sorts of, of different platforms and hearing their voice and, and the work that they're doing, I'm always curious about their origin story. I always love to know is, was education a path that you already knew you wanted to take or was it something that you kind of, you know, fell into and then absolutely just fell in love with? So if you can tell me a little bit about that origin story. Man, I, I love the origin story question. It, it's interesting. You know, I was not, I wasn't the guy who, you know, grew up, you know, knowing I wanted to be a teacher. And in fact, if you had told me even as a senior in high school that, that I was going to end up in education, I would have said, no, there's no way. My, my career path was a little bit windy. I, I was a high school athlete. I was a really good tennis player. I was on the basketball team. I was, I wasn't very good. And in fact, I was injured more probably than I actually played during my high school career. And I, I say that because I spent a lot of time in the training room. And our trainer, a guy named John Knopfsinger, trainer John to all of us, I spent a lot of time down there with him. And I remember making my first career path choice based on trainer John. And, you know, got to the end of my senior year and I had to decide what am I going to major in in college and decided, you know, hey, trainer John's got a great gig, you know, 
gets to work with high school athletes. He's at all the games. I mean, you know, the guy had a TV in his office. I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. This this, this is, you know, what what 17-year-old me is thinking. So I'm going to go into physical therapy. And that just that just didn't really work out for me. And it wasn't because of, of PT itself. It was because I wasn't prepared to be a college student. So I actually dropped out of college. And a friend of mine who was still in college, reached out to me and said, you know, hey, I know you played basketball in high school. I got asked to coach this this elementary school basketball team, and I don't know what I'm doing. Will you come help? So I did. I went to practice the next day, and, and you know, number one, he was right. He didn't know what he was doing. And number two, I was hooked. I mean, and, and it wasn't like, Fonz, it wasn't like this super high level of basketball or anything. I mean, this is fifth grade girls. So, I mean, this is just real basic, but I was hooked. And, you know, Went went up to the college, you know, a couple of days later and re-enrolled and changed my major. And, you know, ultimately secondary education was the direction that I, that I went. So, so yeah, you, you never know how you're going to get onto that path or when the calling's going to come. But for me, that's pretty much where it came from right there. Man, that is great. That's such a great story. And like I said, I'm often curious uh, about that because uh, again, more often than not, you know, I just love to hear that, that either that first teacher or that first moment, or maybe just that one transition due to, you know, maybe a circumstance fork in the road and then you fell into it. And then all of a sudden it's just like, boom, like you just found your space and everything. So that's great. That, And I just love the yeah. part. It's like, Hey man, this guy's got a TV in his office. It's like, man, what greater gig, you know, is out there. <laughs> well, it actually, I mean, it goes a little bit deeper and this will age me, but in the training room as a sophomore in high school over Thanksgiving, you know, what we were ahead of Thanksgiving practice or whatever it was November 23rd, 1984. I know the day because watching on that TV, I saw Doug Flutie throw this miracle pass to beat the university of Miami. And, you know, not too many people can tell you where they were when the Flutie miracle happened. I can tell you, not only do I know where I was, but it influenced my decision, at least my first career path. So, and I think, you know, this is, I've seen this question coming out quite a bit from a lot of new administrators, you know, on some ideas for icebreakers, this exact activity, the whole origin story thing, you know, I think we all assume, you know, that the teachers that work around us all, you know, set their dolls up in their, in their bedroom and played school when they got home from school. But that, that's not true. There are some, by, by all means, there are some, and I'm not saying that's a, that's a bad thing. It isn't, it's a great thing. We all have our own origin story. So I'm glad you asked that question. I love it. Yes. No, no worries, man. All right. So now, you know, that we know a little bit of background and of course you got hooked with the coaching and, and that's kind of what started your, your path in education. Can you tell me just a little bit about, you know, your transitions. I know that you've worked all the way up into superintendency as well. So if you can kind of walk us through, and again, since we are kind of geared on leadership and, you know, culture and things of that sort, I would love just because for myself, understanding the high school, you know, because I did teach in high school, understanding elementary, didn't quite make it to middle school, but now being in a role that is seen as leadership, just your perspective as, as you continue to grow, I would just love to hear a little bit about that progression, if you can share that with us. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I mean, I look back every now and again, I'll find myself reflecting on, you know, parts of my career at different times, you know, whether it's, you know, as a coach or, or you know, as a teacher, AP principal, superintendent, whatever, you know, we, we continue to learn every single day. And I am fortunate to be able to, you know, surround myself with, with leaders all over the country now. And, and I get to learn from them as I'm, as I'm helping to grow them. And I think back on some of those transition times, 
you know, when, when I left the classroom and became an assistant principal, you know, there was this belief in the district where I was a teacher that, you know, boy, if you leave the classroom and become an administrator, you're, you know, you're going to the dark side. And, um, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that guy. You know, I didn't want it to, to be viewed that way. I was going to a different school back. I was leaving the state. I was going to a different state, but I really wanted to be a servant leader. And my belief in, in going into that assistant principalship in charge of discipline was that I needed to be there to serve my teachers. And I was real intentional about having conversations with them and hearing what, what they needed from me. And I, I, I dove right in, you know, but the, but the unfortunate thing was, and this is where, this is where my focus around school culture became, I guess, maybe this is where its origin story comes from. The culture of our school was pretty toxic. You know, we were really all about catching people doing things wrong. And that's what my teachers wanted me to do. They, they wanted me to, you know, make kids sit down and shut up. And they wanted to, you know, kids to never forget that the teacher has the big desk and they have the little desk and, you know, things like that. Um, fortunately, we had, we had some pretty good transition opportunities, some moments in time when, when we stopped focusing on the things they do wrong and started focusing on the things they do right. Honestly, the moment the road Dawson was born was exactly that. A staff meeting that first year I was an AP when we're, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do about hats and cell phones, you know, one of those really important, you know, high school staff meetings. And somebody asked the question, you know, why does it always have to be about what they do wrong? Why, why can't it be about what they do right? And that started that show, that slow shift of our culture to where we started thinking about what are we looking for? And I think as a leader, you know, through my transitions, that became a really important piece for me is what is it that I'm looking for? And more importantly, what is it that others can expect from me? Transitioning into the high school principal role, even though it was the same building, and it was literally 40 feet from my my office and then in, in curriculum down to the principal's office. And I mean, it might as well have been 400 miles, the difference between the two roles. I didn't think that, you know, transitioning from one role to another in the same building would be as big as it actually was. And uh, what I learned there was, as especially as a principal, uh, you, you can't be a firefighter. You've got to be a leader. And there are times you're going to step in and help fight fires, but I was trying to do everything as a principal. And I, I fell into, I mean, I, I wrote about this in my blog a few weeks ago. I fell into what I call Superman syndrome, where, you know, I mean, and, and you've, you've sat at the end of the table too, right? I mean, you know, you're interviewing for the job, whatever the mm -hmm. job may be. And when they offer you the job, they're offering you the job. You know, they didn't hire Superman. They hired Fonts. They hired Darren, but then we get into the role and we think we have to be everything for everybody. And for me, that that was kind of a, a big learning in my transition. The the whole first year as a principal, I I, I breathed through a snorkel. I, my head never came above water. And I was fortunate. We got a new superintendent. He brought in leadership coaching for all of us, which was awesome. I mean, I, I thought coaches were just for people who were struggling even though I was struggling. What I learned was that coaching is so valuable for everybody. And so it kind of shifted my mindset. So another transition here was really focusing on how do I grow people? How do I coach people? How do I support people as opposed to just evaluating people? There's a, there's a huge difference there, right? You know, between evaluating and coaching, you know, are you trying to catch them doing something wrong? Or are you trying to help them grow? You know, moving into the su superintendent role, that transition again, I mean, I, Again, I, I not only go to a different building, I go to a different state and I had to learn all kinds of different guidelines and, you know, every state does things a little bit different, but again, I just, you know, I put, I put that lens on culture and we focus on building a culture in, in that district. And I think we did some great things there. 
And we're really able to to move forward with some progressive teaching strategies and get that get that district really rolling in the right direction. And and now they continue to do that work. My my high school principal there has taken over as a superintendent and she's doing a brilliant job. So I think the biggest thing when I look back on transitions, I learned as a leader that it's not about me, that it never should be about me. You know, learned that we need to spend probably more time at 10 to 15,000 feet than we do right boots on the ground. We need to be boots on the ground, but we've also got to remember to get up on the balcony and check in on ourselves and see, you know, see how we're doing and see how we're, how we're moving forward with, with the work that's really important to us. So, you know, I kind of rambled a little bit on that one, but. No, not at all. Actually, you hit on so many great things that I would like want to highlight and a couple of things there that you mentioned. And one of the things that you did mention is, okay, why does it have to be about something that they're doing wrong? And this is the students, but that also applies to teachers. And last week I had an edtech coach. Her name's Roxy Thompson, wonderful, wonderful person, you know, just amazing heart. And she mentioned something that kind of matches with what you were saying is, you know, she had a mentor that was there to really coach, you know, she, you know, helped her through this transition, going into teaching, you know, watching over her and she felt comfortable. She had that psychological safety. She knew that she can go and approach them, ask questions without being judged. And she mentioned kind of the same thing that you did where, you know, sometimes it's about the coaching. It doesn't always have to be like evaluative. It could just be like, hey, I'm just here to help. You know, I don't want you to feel threatened that I'm going to write this down and I'm going to take it back to central and say, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. So I just want to talk a little bit about that as at least from your experience that you've had as, as a teacher, as a principal, and as a superintendent, the importance of induction, you know, having a great mentor. Can you, you know, tell me a little bit about your experience or maybe an initiative that maybe you might have started as a principal or as a superintendent to provide, you know, a mentor teacher to your, your staff, you know, to continue to grow? Yeah, you know, I, I think... Coaching is just so powerful, you know, and, and whether it's, you know, coaching, mentorship, you know, induction program, whatever, you know, we all need somebody there to, to be that support. You know, when I, when I think back to my leader, my leadership coach, his name's Tom, you know, what Tom provided for me is something that I like to call the third point perspective. In, in instruction, we would, we would use the, the instructional strategy text as the expert. So, so it's like, you know, there's two of us, but then we can go to the text. That's the third point. The text, the text is the text is the text. It's just here are the facts or, or here's what's on the paper. The coach for me is, is that third point perspective. It is that text is the expert. It's not passing judgment. It's just simply, it, it's almost like playing it back to you, you know, and, and just asking good questions, you know, around, you know, what is it that you were thinking here? What was your strategy here? What are you trying to accomplish? And that, that's what I learned from my coach. So because I learned that, from from my coach as a principal i felt it was really critical that we were supporting all of the new staff members that we had you know something i just just to chase for one one quick second i had a conversation with a superintendent that i'm working with this this coming fall and we're we're going to be doing a two-day workshop in, in august in her district with all of her leaders and as we were talking things through and talking about the different initiatives that she has in place and it's not a tremendous number they fit together well, but she has so many new people. And I just asked, so how will your newest person 
newest administrator, newest teacher, understand what's expected of them. How will they know how this is, you know, impacting their daily life? How will they know what, what they're supposed to do and what success looks like, you know, with other people having many years in this system? One of my assistant principals asked me once, how do we catch up our new people? So we were fortunate in, in the district that was in, in Wyoming, that we had instructional coaches. I had four instructional coaches on site at my school. So we were very intentional about how do we break down everything that we've been working on, that we want to be working on, and get it into a system to where the newest person in the door, not right away, but maybe within the first few weeks, can say, okay, I understand what this school is trying to accomplish. I understand what my role is in that and how I can best serve my students. I think it's a big mistake that we make in education all the time. You know, we, we've got these great initiatives and as leaders, sometimes we, you know, we just keep rolling forward with it. You know, whether that's, I'll, I'll use this one, project-based learning, brilliant instructional design. It's fantastic. If people are really well-trained and have great support, launch that in the district I was superintendent in year two. But how in year four, when we have brand new people coming in the door, do we bring them up to speed? You know, they don't have two years of experience in that. How do we catch them up? And again, there added instructional coaches so that we were able to ensure that people had that knowledge. You know, I mean, mentorship is great. People need to know, you know, how do I use the copy machine? Where do I, <laughs> you know, where do I, where do I go and, and talk to somebody about my insurance? I mean, all of those types of things, you know, you were mentioning before we came on live about, you know, number of clicks to content when looking for curriculum mapping or, or those kinds of things. I think it's important to have kind of those clear, clear lines. You know, if you've got somebody that you have set up as a mentor teacher, we all use mentor teachers. It's great, but don't expect your mentor teachers to be what I'm describing. I with those instructional coaches, because that's a pretty heavy lift for somebody who's got to run their own lesson, right? And, and that's why we did what we did when I was in Rock Springs was, look, let's don't, don't ask the teacher next door to bring you up to speed on everything. You know, let's, let's make sure there's somebody whose job it is specifically to do that because that, that teacher who's mentoring them, you know, supporting them in all kinds of different ways, it, it's not really their role to try to catch them all the way up. So Excellent. Good. Well, that's that's definitely a lot of great insight and definitely from that lens and that uh, your expertise that you went through. So I really appreciate you sharing that. The next thing that I wanted to talk about, and you, you kind of brought it up there a little bit and, you know, talking about initiatives, but kind of the, the thing of how did you battle, you know, as far as the culture when maybe there was that attitude of, well, this is the way it's always been done. You know, the uh, Amy Meyer from Fright Technology, she calls that the the twatty, you know, the initials. This is the way it's always been done or this is the way we've yeah. always done it. And so how as a an, in your role and going into these different positions, you know, how did you handle that situation and how did you bring people on board with maybe some of the initiatives that you were trying to present to them? It's, it's so funny that, that you talk about that. You know, I left the high school where I was, I was principal after 11 years and a group of five, they didn't say it to me, but I heard it secondhand. They're like, see, I told you this would pass. But the funny thing is, is they were doing everything 
that that we had wanted them to do. They were just kicking and screaming the whole way, and I'm sure they probably continued. You know, they probably were kicking and screaming for for my you know for my successor too. I, I think you know, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of research and and that thing, you know, that type of thing around you know your your early adopters, you know, your laggards, and then your group that's that's kind of in between. I had a great conversation with somebody the other day who was asking about you know what do you do with your resistors. You know, somebody had told this person, you know, the same old sage advice that we were all given, you know, stay out of the teacher's lounge. Well, no, don't, don't, but don't spend all your time trying to turn 5% of your staff, you know, don't spend all your time supporting the ones who are already carrying the flag, you know, where, where you really want to spend your time and supporting any of the, any of the new work that you're trying to do, whatever that initiative might be. Is really being in the classroom with your teachers who really aren't sure, you know, giving them, you know, giving them some coaching. You know, if if it's something you believe in as a leader, you better be able to walk it, you better be able to talk it, you better be able to model it. And so get in there with the people who kind of are on the fence, that 80% of your staff, and you're gonna have 10 or 15% who, you know, I tell them, hey, we're gonna you know, we're going to do this and zoom off they go, you know, and they're going to be superstars. That's great. Celebrate them, but don't celebrate them only to the point where they become resented. That happens in a lot of schools, right? Those, those early adopters almost get shunned, you know, and it just feeds the laggards. And it really does. You know, it's an opportunity to, you know, point fingers and cast blame and, and cast doubt. Really spend your time on that group that's that other 80% or so of your staff who they, they want to do the right thing. They want to support their kids, but they need you right there to hear them, you know, to, to understand, you know, the, the things that they don't, they don't get about the initiative. You know, a lot of times the, the reasons for the initiative are clear in the leader's head. That doesn't mean that it's clear to the people who are asking to do it, you know, and, and it can't simply be, well, we're just going to do this period, you know, or, you know, we throw a few pieces of data in front of them and say, oh, well, clearly, you know, this group needs blah, blah, blah. It's more than that. You know, we're, as leaders, Fonz, here's the bottom line. As leaders, we are in the people business. So if we want our people to move forward, we need to spend time with our people. You know, we, we can't just be in our office or, you know, make directives or, or whatever the case may be. We've got to be in there supporting them. And when, when leaders do that, you know, people buy in. Because they, they don't buy into what the initiative is. I mean, again, your early your early adopters are going to buy into the initiative, you know, either because they, oh, yeah, I saw this on Twitter. You know, that's where our 50% are. They're the ones on Twitter who are seeing these great things. And they might buy in because, because of you as the leader. But it's that middle group, man. If you can move the middle group, the ones, the, the ones at the end, they're going to come along or they're not going to come along, you know. But, but you can't spend forever focusing on 5% of your people. It, the same thing is true of discipline. This is one of my takeaways in the discipline job. You know, I did over 2,000 discipline referrals in my first year. We had 1,000 kids, you know, and about 5% of my kids made up 95% of my discipline referrals. And I spent all my time with this 5% of the kids. And it sucked the life out of me. Going and spending time with your laggards, constantly trying to move them, is going to suck the life out of you, you know? Yeah, push on them, lean on them listen to them, but really focus in the middle. That That's, I think, where you really, really get movement. That's how you turn a big ship. And whether your school has 200 kids or 2,000 kids, 
a school is a big boat, you know, focus on the middle. That's where you're going to make the turn. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That sounds really great advice and just a, a lot of stuff for me to reflect on as well, you know, as obviously, you know, we, we work in districts of all different sizes, types, and so on and so forth. But, you know, some of the things that even from the teacher perspective, it was like, okay, we get these initiatives. And I, me personally, I was always like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and do what they asked me to do. And then you'd have other teachers that were just mainly just griping about it. And, and to me, I was like, man, you know, you're just spending more energy on that. Like if you were to actually just do what you needed to do quickly, I mean, you'd be done and it'd get over with it. But again, I'm just one of those like early adopters that just go with the flow and then, all right, here we go. So let's talk a little bit more about just that workplace culture too, as well, you know, and, and I know for you, you know, seeing it from different roles. I mean, I, I'm just like, I, I just want to dive into this because I, I have not met anybody else, you know, whom I've had the opportunity to talk to like you and just to really ask questions, you know, to see, you know, how do you deal with that workplace culture, maybe that that toxic culture? You know, I know you talked a little bit, you know, you're moving there with the middle, you know, for initiatives and so on. But how would you or did you create just a culture that is, hey, you know, I'm glad to be here. I teach here. I'm glad you're my principal or, hey, I'm glad you're my superintendent. What are some of the ways or maybe some of the the advice that you would share with maybe first-year principals, current principals, or maybe even some superintendents? Well, I think the, you know, the bottom line, I, I said it, I said it in this previous, pre, mm-hmm. in the previous segment, sorry, is that, you know, we're in the people business. So, I mean, it's, it's all about relationships. You know, if, if we're not willing to build relationships with people, you know, we're, we're never going to, you know, see success, whether it's culture, moving initiatives, whatever, whatever the case may be, um, you know, a good, a good portion of the people that we have who, who gripe or complain or, or whatever, or maybe we see them as resistant, they just want to be heard. So, you know, one of the pieces of advice that I give, I give all leaders, whether they're brand new or, you know, have been doing it a long time is put school culture on your calendar, be intentional about your culture. Cause if you're not, your culture will change. It just may not change in the direction you want it to. So, I mean, it's just like anything else. If you, if there's something you want to achieve, you have to be intentional. So putting culture on your calendar to me, that's, that's being intentional with, you know, with some FaceTime with your kids, FaceTime with your staff. Um, it's addressing those, those negative behaviors. You know, there's, there's a couple of different schools of thought on, on what you do with, with negative behaviors. You know, do you just ignore it? You know, well, Darren said, you know, that bottom group, don't spend a lot of time with them. No, I, I agree. I did say that. However, when the behaviors become toxic, you better step into it. You got to step in and you don't have to go in on the attack, but you need to go in and say, hey, we don't do that here. You know, we don't do that here is a very, very important phrase. And the more that you are using that appropriately, I'm not saying run around and just tell everybody, hey, we don't do that here. But when you are using it, it's amazing how that starts to catch on. Because just like your early adopters are going to take on whatever initiative, if you're intentional about positive culture, they'll be intentional. And your folks in the middle that you're working with, they will be intentional about that positive culture. Maybe that's just as simple as, you know, for me, 
when, when we switched our culture, when, when I was an AP, it was, you know what, instead of running around trying to find kids doing things wrong in the mornings, I'm going to go stand at the front door and I'm going to say good morning to everybody who walks in. I'm going to tell, I'm going to call everybody by name that I know. If I don't know their name, I'm going to work hard to learn their name. You know, if I saw them at a basketball game or I, you know, saw them in the play or I saw them at the band concert or whatever, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that they know that I see them. I mean, the, the truth about culture is this, and this is just really just human nature, but we all want to be seen. We all want to be heard and we all want to be loved. You know, I mean, that's the bottom line. So how can you be intentional about that? And as leaders, it starts with being visible. You know, you, you can't see here and love people if you hide in your office. You can't. You know, you've got to be willing to be out, be in the classrooms. You know, this, that was my biggest takeaway from, from my leadership coach. When he told me, you know, start being a leader and stop being a firefighter, he meant get yourself out into the action where it's happening. You know, you get, you got to get up on the balcony and check on yourself, but you also got to be down there, down in their boots on the ground if you want people to make, to make the changes you want to see. So with culture, I would just tell you just that. We got to be visible. We got to be intentional about it. I mean, I would put times on my calendar fonds to go see teachers when they didn't have kids in the classroom. You know, there's, there's a big push has been for a long time about, you know, walkthroughs and let's get into the classrooms and give feedback. That's important. And people need that feedback, but you know what else they need? They need to see their principal, you know, they just need their principal to pop in and say, Hey, how was your weekend? Or, you know, if you know something about them personally, maybe, you know, they've got a, a relative that's, that, that's been ill or, you know, that you know, their child's going through something or whatever, just go and be there and, and listen to them. You know, one, one of my favorite experiences from, from my time as a school leader, that, that 15 or so years that, that I was a school leader were those moments, you know, where, you know, I, I could just go sit down with one of my teachers. You know, I had a teacher once reach out to me when I was a superintendent. We had this silly policy on the books that only the superintendent could approve extra time off on either side of a holiday. So Labor Day weekend, for example, you know, the Friday before or the Tuesday after. The only way they get an extra day off was if I approved it. So I had a teacher who emailed me and just said, hey, Darren, can I meet with you? Sure, you know, but and here's a leadership tip, folks. I told her, I said, you tell me when it's convenient and I will come to you. Don't make them come to your office. Go to them, for goodness sakes, leaders. Get out of your office. Go to your people. I found out in advance what, what was going on. Her principal told me, hey, her husband's referee in a destination wedding in the Bahamas. She just needs one day either side. You know, Fawn's right there. I could have just emailed her back and said, hey, Amanda, you know, it's proved. But I didn't. I kept the appointment. We went, and, you know, within five minutes of her telling me the story, of course, I'm like, yeah, you know, Amanda, go for it. I think that's great. But I knew she was having some struggles in her classroom. So I just asked her, you know, how you doing? And boom, here came the tears. And I mean, she's telling me these stories about these challenges she's having with kids. And I'll never forget what she told me. You know, at, at the end of the conversation, I said, Amanda, what, what can I do to help you? And she said, this, just come listen to me. You know, she didn't want me to solve her problems. She just wanted me to know what was happening. And she wanted to know that she was heard. So to me, culture, again, it's about relationships. It's about people. And as leaders, our job is to model that and live it, you know, not, not model it because, you know, well, if I do this, then they'll do it. No, just, just be that person. 
Excellent. That is wonderful advice. Thank you so much for sharing that, you know, because that definitely goes a long way and just learning. And again, for myself, I, I love that I get to talk to you too as well, because then I get to turn the mirror on myself too. And like you said, you know, I get to see what I'm doing at about 10, 15,000 feet, but then, all right, what can I do down here also as well on the ground and, you know, to continue to move forward and, and just, you know, make those changes in, in culture and see how we can help teachers and build those relationships. So thank you so much for that. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about road to awesome. So I want to know, all right. So w when did this start? When did you say, Hey, you know what, you know, with the experience that I've had, and you talk a lot about coaching and it just seems like it's something that, you know, maybe that's why you got hooked at such an early, you know, with the the littles when you were coaching basketball, but yeah. because you have a great way, like right now, I'm just speaking to somebody, helping them understand, listening to them. So Road to Awesome, when did that come to fruition? And talk a little bit about the work that you offer as well, you know, for as, as sure. leadership and organizational culture and so on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. You know, honestly, road to awesome. The 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 phrase, the hashtag, was actually born in I think 2013. I I co-presented at a conference. It's one that I presented at a number of times, Justin's Renaissance Conference, and I had a new teacher on my staff who just really just exuded this confidence and was like, I mean, he was the perfect addition to my staff. Probably one of the top three hires I ever made. Many, many people know him in the Twitter space. They probably don't know that I hired him as a teacher, but Bradley W. Skinner was this teacher. And Bradley and I go to this conference together. And long story short, our session about leadership versus management turns into this whole, you know, traveling the road to awesome. I don't know who came up with the phrase first. We, we decided we just co-created it. We, we don't know where it came from, but that's when it really kind of, you know, like started and it became the hashtag of our school. You know, we are traveling the road to awesome. Every one of us is traveling a road, no matter what. And, and our road has forks in it all the time, but we make, we get to make the choice. You know, we get to decide because I mean, one of the three things we can do is we can control how we show up. So we decide which road we're going to travel. Early in 2018, as, as, a, as a superintendent, I had this idea that I wanted to write a book. Interestingly, I had just graduated six months earlier with my doctorate. And after writing a dissertation, thought I'd never write anything again, end up writing a book. What's the natural name for the book? Road to Awesome. So, so that starts to move forward. But in the meantime, yes, my passion for coaching really started to come out. My passion for speaking really started to come out. I took a course from, from a friend of mine, a guy named Stan Tall, Steve Bowler, that was all about educators who want to speak professionally, just as a side hustle. That, that's what I thought it was going to be. And in late 2018, got my first paid speaking gig and I was hooked. A couple of months later, somebody reached out to me that, that I had known through being a principal in, in Wyoming. She's a superintendent in another state now. And she just reached out and said, hey, I've got a high school principal. He needs, he needs some coaching. I know you're passionate about it. Would you be interested in coaching him? Sure. You know, that would be great. So now, you know, a couple speaking gigs and, and this. So we, we created our own LLC and of course we called it Road to Awesome. And then the pandemic hit and that pretty much shut all of it down, you know, but, but starting to come out of the pandemic, the book was published during the pandemic. It actually had its second birthday just a couple of days ago and it, it just started to snowball. You know, I mean, once, once your book is out there, it takes about a year for people to really, truly discover your book and really, you know, 
really sink their teeth into it. We were moving forward through, you know, through everything that was the pandemic. And my wife and I just had a conversation about how I was at my most passionate that last year as a superintendent when I was supporting a couple of leaders around, around the country and in coaching my, my own principles. And the opportunity was there. We had started the, the, the publishing branch just a few months before that, again, because we want to help lift the voices of, of other educators. So the opportunity was there and we said, you know what, you only live once. We know there's going to be this massive turnover of leadership across the country and the superintendent ranks and the principal ranks and the AP ranks. We know that the leadership pipeline isn't empty, but people are moving through it really, really fast, which means they're going to need a lot of support. And so we made the decision. We were in a place we could do it. Hey, let's, let's go do this. Let's, let's take our sphere of influence to a bigger level. Let's help leaders all across the country, <clears throat> excuse me, eventually, you know, I mean, at a global level, but we want to make sure that we're doing what we can to help leaders. So launching into Road to Awesome now, what that means is really we do three things. You know, number one is, is, is the speaking piece. And that's having opportunities to speak and share the Road to Awesome message at conferences, in schools, in districts, all over the place. You know, the, the calendar for August is starting to fill up. You know, I, I, I want to bring the Road to Awesome message to everybody's school. I want people to remember that, you know, number one, we can control ourselves. You know, we focus on how we show up. Number two, we rise by lifting others. And number three, we fonts, we get the opportunity to change the world one conversation at a time. And to me, those are the three cores of, of the Road to Awesome. I mean, there's some great stories and that kind of stuff. We all have great stories. You know, we're educators. We're surrounded by stories every single day. And they're stories of hope and stories of in inspiration and impact. So I get a little fired up when I talk about when I talk about speaking about Road Dawson because that's, you know, that's that's the work I love to do. The second piece I love to do as well, and that's coaching and growing leaders. You know, whether whether you're a brand new leader or you're in your 20th year as a leader, we all can benefit from having somebody provide that third point perspective that I talked about, you know, just that, you know, that text as the expert almost, you know, that, Hey, you know, t tell me what you're thinking here. As a principal, I loved growing my assistant principals and I, I never gave them the answers. You know, they would come in and in fact, it became a joke, both there and in my superintendency that I would answer a question with a question. You know, and that's, that's what I do now as a leadership coach, you know, Hey, what should I do here? What is it you think you'd like to do? You know, and that starts that conversation. You know, I, I really feel very strongly as leaders, our role is to grow leaders. And, and in this role, I really get that job, that opportunity to help people empower other leaders around them. You know, if all we do is solve other people's problems for them, they become dependent on us to solve their problems. I would imagine in your tech space, you probably get that probably as well as anybody. If all you do is solve their problems, they'll always run to you with, Hey, solve my problem. No, it's bigger than that. We got to grow people and empower them to be able to solve their own problems and, and feel confident, you know, you know, and, and supported to do, to do that work. So, and then of course, like I said, the third piece with, with our publishing branch, we, we've been really fortunate with the 25, 30 authors that we have under contract so far that every one of their stories, every one of their books really fits a unique niche. You know, we want people to have the opportunity to tell their story because everybody's got a great story, you know, and there are some great publishing groups in the education space. Every one of them does wonderful, wonderful work. 
we didn't do this to go into competition with people. We went into this because there's so many people who have stories that, you know, hey, here's another opportunity, you know? And if you believe in the tenets of the road to awesome and you feel like it's a good fit for you and we feel like you're a good fit for us, I mean, it, it's it's awesome. And, and the people that we've been able to to bring on and, and have, you know, be part of our road to awesome family is, is really exciting. So that's, man, there you go. That's, that's kind of how, <laughs> how this, this came about and became the work that, that we do. Heck, we're a family business. I mean, our editor, art director, book constructor is my wife <laughs> and she's brilliant at it. Our marketing department is our daughter. That's, that, that's road to awesome. The three of us. That's great. That's a wonderful, wonderful story. And I'm glad, you know, that you're out there. And like you said, you know, you're offering a space, an option, another platform, much like, you know, I see this podcast. I mean, there's wonderful education podcasts that are out there. And we'll talk about yours right now, too, because I know that you recently started podcasting, too. So I'm curious to hear a little bit about that story when you decided to click record. But, you know, there there's a space for everybody and not every interview is going to be the same, you know, you're going to get different perspectives and so on. And so that's what I love that, you know, it, if somebody's willing to give you a space and a time to be able to share your story and something that you're passionate about, I mean, hey, you know, we've, there's places that are out there, there's people that are willing to listen and there's people that are willing to take your story and amplify it. So that's Wonderful. So I love that. But I want to talk about, you know, leading, leaning into leadership, sorry, leaning into leadership. Yeah. So when was the moment that you decided to just say, hey, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and just click record here. So I want to hear a little bit about that backstory. <laughs> so, so part of being an entrepreneur, again, vertical line for the learning curve. The, the interesting things there is as you continue to build your tribe, you know, the, the, those, those people who, who buy in and listen and, and want to be a part of what you're doing, you want to continue to bring them value. You want to continue to support them. You can't, you can't be in the space, or at least I don't think you can be in the space simply thinking that everything I do, I have to get paid for. That, that's just not, that's just not the right thinking. You know, I, I'm fortunate. I, I, I espouse coaching. And I will tell you, I have a coach too. Jeff Car Jeff Gardas from the Teach Better team is is my business coach, and you know Jeff has hammered into my head. You know we have to keep bringing value to people, and I believe in that so very much. So I started thinking, how do I how do I bring value to leaders every week? You know what, what is something I can do? You know, yes, I, I share something on on Twitter every day, or a couple of times a day on Twitter, or maybe engage in a chat or. Or, or those kinds of things, but how do you bring, as as Josh Tovar, who who I know is, is is tuned in right now, as Josh says, you know, how do I put that PD at their fingertips, and and that's through both podcasting and blogging, and I had the idea in maybe November, October, November, started kicking around the idea of you know, hey, I want to do a podcast, and my initial thought was, you know, the podcast is just going to be me solo. You know, maybe I'll bring in a guest periodically. And I think the first maybe three episodes were were just me. And then I had a guest and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed having a guest. I've gone back and done a couple of solo, solo podcasts, but um, I've had such great response and you know, just amazing people who have reached out and said, you know, hey, I want to be on your podcast or, you know, we've connected in, in a way that, you know, it's like, man, I've got to get you on my podcast. And so... You know, we, we just, we just released episode 26 this past Sunday. And so that's the half year mark right there. 
So, you know, they say in podcasting, if you can get past episode 10, then you're on your way. Uh, I just uploaded episode 27 yesterday, which a uh, little spoiler alert here, folks. The one and only Rocket Nation man himself, Don Epps, is our guest on episode 27 this, this coming Sunday. Don is a superstar, superstar middle school principal. But it just, yeah, it, it became this, I've got to do everything I can to provide support for for leaders. And, and the more that people hear me and see me in the space, the more, the more they start to understand that you know, that that's what I'm there for is to help them and to, to lead, to lead them up or lift them up rather. So leading into leadership, we, we kicked around a dozen different names and leading into leadership seemed to be the one that, that resonated the most and, and we're loving it. I mean, I, I have so much fun doing that. I'm actually, I'm, I'm recording two episodes tomorrow. So, so yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And the blog is the same thing. You know, the blog is just an opportunity to, you know, whatever's on my mind, throw it out there. And, and recently what's been on my mind is. We got a lot of people who on July 1 started their new gig as a new principal or as a new superintendent or as a new assistant soup AP, I mean, whatever. Because I've, I've been through so many of those roles. Hey, here's some thoughts, you know, try this or don't do this, you know, type of thing. So, yeah. Episode Excellent. 23, by the way, had, had Josh Tovar on it. Yeah. That's, that's why he's saying it. Yeah. So good. And, and I think it was a great episode. Yeah, episode eighty-seven of Maya Tech Life was it was pretty pretty good too. That guest is something else. <laughs> so again, that's that Josh is, right that there. Is. Oh my goodness! Well, Darren, it's been great talking to you, and I'm just so thankful for yeah, you to sure. take the time and just share, you know, your passion and your heart for leadership, for education, and just moving the education needle forward. I thank you for that. But before we go, of course, this is one of our favorite segments to do, and. You know, it's the last three questions that I always ask all of my guests. So hopefully you are ready. And I know Josh is ready. He's already putting it here. It's kryptonite time. <laughs> all right, Darren. So question number one, in your experience and what you are seeing in the current state of education, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? Ooh, man. Toxic environments. You know, I, I think that the, the thing that can weaken all of us is a toxic environment. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it earlier today. You know, the things that the things that are pulling us down collectively as a profession are are all surrounded with something to do with with just negative or or poisonous statements about about what's really happening inside of our walls. So I, I think the way that we we combat that is. We, we tell our stories. We make sure that we're sharing what we're really doing inside of our classrooms. Excellent. All right. Question number two, Darren, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Hmm. I think that's interesting. If I had a billboard, it would most likely have me and my wife in our Jeep, driving off into the sunset, hashtag road to awesome. Nice. Oh, I love that. That's that's a really good personalization there. I've I've heard all sorts of different answers, but I like that you'd actually put a picture of yourself just driving into the sunset and the nice hashtag road yeah. to awesome. That's a good one. I like that. Excellent. All right, Darren. Well, let's pretend. And again, because you do have a podcast, so I won't say like, hey, if you had a podcast, but you do have a podcast. So if this was your show this morning and you are hosting Leaning Into Leadership and I was your guest, what would be one question you'd like to ask me? 
You know, I think the thing that I would ask you, Fonz, would be your role is something that is replicated in many, many districts across the country. And it's done in so many different ways. What are, I'll, I'll take it easy on you, two things that you would tell others in a role that you have similar, how they can truly impact kids in a classroom? All right. Great question. Number one, it's obviously build relationships with your teachers. That's always going to be number one. You know, you want to establish that rapport. And again, as an instructional technologist, you're working with teachers. So you definitely need to work with them. You need to love on them. You need to show grace. You need to just build them up too as well, because what you're trying to do and accomplish, which would be the vision of, you know, the district is for them to be equipped with these tools that they can pass on to their students and engage them in their learning and create just meaningful learning experiences and also just make it some fun, not only for the students, but make it fun for the teachers as well. You know, oftentimes I feel like, hey, you know, when did teaching become so serious? I mean, I, we know it's serious because there's a lot of state testing and all that, but you know, teaching should be fun. Like I, I walked into my classroom always happy because I knew that we were going to do some kind of a, you know, amazing activity or just have fun with the kids. So, but build those that relationship, show grace, build them up, give them that safety, open up. And like you said, one of the things too that I'm just learning now is to listen, but not be that Superman and try and put out all the fires, but really like how can we go about doing this and start asking those questions so they start building up that confidence? So that's number one, relationships. Number two is really just trying in one way to, through the use of technology, remove something from their plate. Although people, well, wait a minute, but you're adding something to it. Yeah, well, in adding to it, you're not adding more on top of it. What you're adding is because you're removing something from them and trying to find a task or tasks that might be something that would take up a lot of time for them and just to help them be a little bit more efficient. And my goal has always been when I tell teachers when we do trainings is if I can get you back seven to 10 minutes in your day just for you, then I know I've done my job because there you can go ahead and sit at your desk at the end of the day and take a deep breath and relax and just breathe out or just find some extra time to, you know, do what you need to do. And that's it. So for my, for right now, off the top of my head, those would be the, the two things that I would go ahead and share with anybody else that is working with teachers the way that I do. Great question, Darren. Those are, those are two really important ones, man. I mean, you know, again, I mean, we've we've hit we've hit relationships throughout the the course of the entire show. But then, you know, what you talked about on the second one there, I love that because you know we hear all the time, you know, oh, I just need more time. I need more time. And being able to say, you know, hey, if I can give you seven to ten minutes back in your day, you know, hey, you got me hooked. I'm going to listen, you know, what is it, what is it that I can do? And you're telling me also you want to take something off of my plate, which that's, that's what our teachers want to hear right now. I mean, they want to know that, that they're being supported and part of being supported is let me help you get a little bit of time back. That That's yeah. huge right there, man. I love that. Definitely. Well, thank you, Darren. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for everything that you shared. A lot of knowledge nuggets that went out today and a lot of great gems that people will be able to 
leaders, teachers, anybody will be able to pick up and sprinkle on to what they're already doing great. So thank you so much for your shares. And Darian, also before we go, please let our audience members know how they can go ahead and connect with you. Yeah, of course. Easiest way to get a hold of me is just just go to our rep, our website, which is uh, roadtoawesome.net. And then on social media, I am at Darren M. Peppard. That's D-A-R-R-I-N-M Peppard. Everywhere. I, I made it simple. I'm just at Darren M. Peppard on everything. And again, yeah, the website is, is roadtoawesome.net. Every page has a contact us lane. You can go on there, check out, you know, things about, about speaking, about the work we do with leadership teams and with individual leaders. Check out all of our authors, our books that are out, and maybe you've got a book idea you want to throw towards Road to Awesome. You can do it there too. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you, Darren. And thank you to all of you guys that were joining us live. I know we had some viewers from LinkedIn. We had Sherry from LinkedIn. We had Josh also that John Woodward also who stopped by. And to all of you that have made my tech life what it is today. Thank you as always from the bottom of my heart for all of your continued support. Please make sure that you visit our website at myedtech.life, myedtech.life, where you can go ahead and check out this and other episodes. Again, there is something for everybody. We've got amazing educators. We've got content creators. So check out all our previous guests. And I guarantee you that you will definitely glean some nice little gems there that you can sprinkle on to what you are already doing great. And also you can go ahead and visit our merch store where you can go ahead and support our show. So you can get yourself a nice cap, a nice t-shirt, either to wear at a conference to support one of your favorite podcasts or just to lounge around the house, whatever it is that you'd like, go ahead and visit our website and you can go ahead and get your merch there as well. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel, share our channel, share our episodes, any little bit that you can do will greatly support our show. And just to continue to get these amazing educator voices out there and just into the world because we can definitely learn a lot from each other and through our stories so as always my friends thank you so much i really appreciate y'all and until next time don't forget my friends stay techie